Morning, everyone, and with really exciting news in episode 54. Forget about all the royal baby nonsense and what that wee baby's going to be called, etc. We may have actually got a collective noun, a name for our very own family of team players that we have that listen to this show, and it's coming from Beverly at Candle de la Creme, and you can check her out in the gram. Thanks very much, Beverly. Now, I'm going to try this one out, and we'll see how it goes. But Beverly has come up with a great new name, and she thinks that our collective noun should be the walruses. The walruses, what a great one. Beverly says their skin is thick and tough, protecting them from all the jabs of others, just like successful entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs require. It's also a play on my name, which is another wee tick. For Beverly there. She says, they're not the most attractive animal, but we're not here for a beauty pageant. We're here to fucking take over. And if it requires a diet of penguins and fish to do so, then so be it. Let me know what you think of the collective noun and we'll maybe try it out a wee bit later over the coming episodes. Anyway, today's and in fact tomorrow's episodes are slightly different. The pace will be slightly more gentle. So your safety equipment may not be required today. But there'll still be plenty of calls to action and loads of great insights about what made me tick 21 years ago when I decided to start taking my personal development seriously. I'm the guest of Niall Lawther from Belfast in his new podcast series, The Young Professional. And I'm only too happy to support the next generation of entrepreneur and entrepreneur coming on through. Now, there'll be more on Niall and his brand new podcast series in the show notes, so you can check it out there and give him a subscription and a review if you enjoy his podcast. Now, I hope you get loads from part one today, including about how I turned a tiny opportunity into a six-figure sum in less than two years in my 20s, and how you could do similarly. So, hope you all enjoy it, walruses. Gavin, Gavin Wall, thanks very much for agreeing to have a chat with me. Um, obviously delighted to, you know, learn a bit more from you and hear about some of that secret sauce that you talk about, obviously on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Um, so why don't we just start off by kind of getting you to introduce yourself, a bit about your story, um, maybe your journey from obviously being a barrister right yeah. through to, I guess, today where you are now. So. Okay, so I'll, I'll go fairly quickly. So I'm Gavin Wall, I'm the... Um, managing director of the Wall Group, which is a chain of um, spa and subway stores, largely in North Belfast. We employ about 130 people, and um, but I'm a real serial entrepreneur at heart as well. So I have a number of interests now. In we've got three tech startups, including a really exciting actual virtual reality gaming centre coming out. Brilliant. I don't know if you know about that. Yeah. It's coming out in, in City Side. It's going to be open at the end of March. So that's absolutely class, and. Um, and I do a lot of mentoring of other business people and have a business sort of um, called Speed Mentoring, which may be like a side hustle, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. But it's all about inspiring other business people to be better. Um, my background was in law. Um, I was a barrister up until 10 years ago. Really, I thought, followed my father's journey. So he was in law yeah. and my two brothers both did law. One yeah. of them's a slizder. Uh, but I was really an entrepreneur at heart. And... Um, I wrestled with that for many years and there's yeah. too many stories about it to tell you now, but I wrestled with that for many years and then ultimately one day I packed in my wig and gown and um, 
opened the smallest bar store in Northern Ireland, 468 square feet, about the size of a bed sit. Yeah. Hadn't a clue what I was doing, had no idea, and uh, started working in it in yeah. overalls. Yeah. Just walked away from the barrister's job. My wife's only just getting over me giving up the barrister's job. Now, about <laughs> 10 years later, yeah. she's only just getting over that. And we started from there, one tiny wee shop. Yeah. And then we've built all the entrepreneurial stuff on top of it over the last 10 years. Yeah. Amazing. Great story. Um, I guess one of the questions I probably have is in those earlier days of your career, kind of once you quit the barrister life, mm-hmm. uh, how did you initially kind of learn and upskill yourself in business and finance and investing and all that? Well, interesting thing was, um, because I always had a really strong passion in business. So before I was a barrister, I was actually a solicitor. A lot of people don't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I was a solicitor, I ran businesses on top of my day job. So I had an international phone card um, franchise and I was the most successful um, one in the whole of the UK. So this is before the internet. All your listeners (laughs) might leave and they've heard. (laughs) don't know. Before the the internet, you used to say you wanted to phone Pakistan Mm -hmm. or Australia or something like that. It used to be about pound fifty a minute. Right, okay. So if you got a wee international phone card, you dialed in a pin on this card. Crawled across the world. Crawled across the world, maybe for 10p per minute to Pakistan or whatever. So I had a franchise for that and then I also had a property business I used to buy and sell and do up Business, our, our, our homes, yeah. houses. Yeah. So I was always fascinated about business mm-hmm. and pre-internet every week. Um, I used to wait. I don't know if I can say this, but like might be like other young boys might be waiting for a porno mag or something like that. <laughs> well, I should even say that, yeah. you know, waiting for as I was obsessed with franchising. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you can cut that bit out if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was obsessed with franchising. So every week, um, franchise Weekly magazine used to come out yeah. and I would literally pour over every ounce, every word in that, trying to work out how businesses worked. Yeah. And that's where I learned mm-hmm. um, before even applying it, yeah. what profit and loss looked like, what managing a team looked like, mm-hmm. what trying to build a business yeah. that wasn't built just around you, but actually had systems and processes yeah. so that um, you could build it and it could be bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'd always a fascination for that. My wife's an accountant, which always helped. So it all the business, <laughs> she, all the businesses and things that she was involved in over the years, I used to love asking her questions. Mm-hmm. And she used to always say to me, why, why are you interested? I go, well, I'm going to do that one day. And she buys up. You have a great career as a barrister. Yeah. And, um, she used to be an accountant for Musgraves, who owned the Centra, yeah. um, sort of brand up here and Super Value. And I used to like asking her questions about shops and how they, I said, I think I'll do one of those one day. Yeah. I thought you were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Cut yourself on. I said, I don't think that shop at the bottom of the road's been run well enough. Yeah. Yeah. She would just stop talking about it, you know. Yeah. So it was always a passion for that. Uh, and it took me uh, a sort of a 15 year career in law. Yeah. A 15 year career in law in total mm-hmm. to totally break away from the law mm-hmm. and then just go full, full on, full on, business. Yeah. Yeah. on, on the business side. Amazing. Um, so I had, previous insight I was always thinking about it so it wasn't just day yeah. one it wasn't just starting. launch yourself in yeah it was just out of the blue everything. it was always looking yeah. at it so Flashing on side, lots yeah. of reading and yeah yeah of course I wonder could you tell me a, a bit of a story maybe about when you've made a kind of bad decision or or maybe you had you know a really bad investment you know something that just yeah. went okay. completely got one of mine it's up yeah um too many 
like there's so many yeah, this yeah. is a thing and if any any of your listeners follow me on, on LinkedIn or I'm doing quite a bit on Instagram now as well um, follow me over the last few years they will know that I'm passionate about cataloging the failures yeah the mistakes the and, mistakes yeah. because people look at successful people mm -hmm. and they think oh they either got lucky or just they know how to do it mm -hmm. or just everything just they happens. touch turns to gold that's you know yeah. what we say and everything they touch turns to gold yeah jesus nothing could be further from this yeah. truth i have undoubtedly probably had more failures than anybody in the country yeah yeah um and in fact actually i was homeless for five years when my biggest failure I'll, I'll not talk about that one in this particular context but mm -hmm. um uh so Accepting that failure is inevitable mm -hmm. yeah. as part of the process of achieving success. Yeah. That's what some people don't get. So they have the first failure mm -hmm. or I'm not good enough or I'm going to give up. Yeah. But I know that on the other side, when I have a failure, I know on the other side of that failure, there's going to be a better day. There's yeah. going to be a better day every single time. And I know that other competitors, yeah. when I have a failure, I, I, I just process it. The other guys or, or gals who are they're having feeling the same, way. they're feeling the same, but they're dropping out. Yeah. And that gives me the strength to keep going. So yeah. my biggest recent failure would be Yogi Berry, which was a real passion pro project for me, mm -hmm. my passion to do something. So I was in Spar, Spar stores and subway stores, but it's difficult to get new Spar and subway stores because mm -hmm. the, um, the penetration per capita of those two brands in Northern Ireland is some of the highest in the world. Yeah. So getting new stores is really, really difficult. Yeah. Really difficult. So I wanted to develop a brand of my own mm -hmm. so that I didn't have to go spar or subway. Yeah. And I developed Yogi Berry. So it was ice cream and um, frozen yogurt. I yeah. did them both. Like there's so many mistakes. So I was passionate about North Belfast. So I did it in North Belfast where there probably wasn't enough footfall mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. And then I opened another one then in West Belfast. Again, rather than doing high footfall, I went to an, a suburban area. Mm -hmm. And I had a third one agreed, which fortunately I didn't open. But I, I did, and then I did ice cream and frozen yogurt because I thought there isn't enough for one or the other mm -hmm. really to Why be successful. Why not combine them? Yeah. And every mistake and everything was built across uh, on top of mistaken premises mm -hmm. in my mind about what I should be doing and we spend a fortune on branding and a uh, fortune on, on store fit outs yes I pursued this and pursued this and then I spent a load on marketing which was driving footfall but it wasn't profitable footfall mm -hmm. yeah. and I maybe didn't get my management team in it right then I had found up in the high court over machinery that was sold to me yeah. and a dispute over that because the machinery was breaking down and all sorts of things every mistake yeah conceivable yeah and ultimately i had a loss after three years of about six hundred thousand pounds mm -hmm. lost well wow. pursuing this project that was in my heart yeah and, as a passion yeah and lots of people were telling me gavin I, I, this doesn't look like it's working the yeah. accountants were saying me gavin you need to stop you need to stop yeah the only thing fortunately i didn't do i was taking premises on the lisburn road which is actually Boojum, became Boojum, those premises, Rathgar House. Yeah. And I was taking, I was going to put a subway on one side and a Yogi Berry on the other. And the day I was due to sign the lease was the day that Brexit happened. The Brexit oh, vote. 2016. June, yeah. uh, June the 23rd, 24th, um, 23rd, and I think the result 20, 24th on the Friday. Yeah. The day that happened was the day I was due to sign the lease. The landlord had put it back for a week. And um, I 
that's going to bring inflation into the system. There's too much risk in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm struggling more than I think in the other two stores and yeah. decided not to pursue that. Yeah. And thank God, sweet Jesus, thank God. Yeah. For, that's the one thing I'd be grateful for Brexit about is that it's actually stopped me from doing that. Yeah, you need not make that. Yeah, yeah, because that would have been another premises I'd have been tied into mm-hmm. and rather than 600,000 if it Signed for that, yeah. it would have been over a million pound, and that could really have yeah. made things very difficult for yeah. me. Yeah. So, there's we all make massive, yeah. we make loads of little mistakes, but there's just a recent. I think it's definitely it's helpful to hear, you know, as young people that obviously looking up to older business mentors yeah. and people that the path is obviously riddled with failures and mistakes along the way to get to you know greater success. So that forced me. So out of Yogi Berry, so I then sit down and I I then really dig through that rather than just go on about the mail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know other business people who just go, Gavin, how do you get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. The amount of flipping, like that law, I know quote, several business people, how do you even get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I've processed that. I then dive into that to find what I've learned from it. Mm-hmm. And okay. take those learnings And forward. take those learnings. And one of the major things that came out of that was, that was my ninth store. So that was my ninth store. That first Yogi Berry store was my ninth store. And the second Yogi Berry was my tenth store. Mm-hmm. What I discovered when the machinery started breaking down on me, what I then realized was I didn't have time to get around my, the rest of my spa and subway businesses that I would have been in every single day. Mm-hmm. I was really stuck in Yogi Berry. Mm-hmm. And I realized how vulnerable I was to something going wrong in one store, etc. Yeah. And it was at that stage that I put the plan in place. It was about three and a half years ago. I put the plan in place to build an internal board within my business to really strengthen the management team. Yeah. Uh, so if it hadn't have been for the mess in Yogi Berry, which already cost me 600 grand. That right? realization that you That realization that, that I didn't have enough strength within the business and the yeah. way I'd built it was actually too reliant on me as a key man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Yogi Berry taught me uh, a really great lesson. Yeah. And if that Yogi Berry hadn't have started to go wrong a bit, I might not build started to build the internal board. Mm-hmm. Um, because I built the internal board, that's given me the opportunity to go on. I've got three tech companies that has probably provided additional time for me to do my mentoring, etc. Yeah. etc. Et now it'll be a long time before I get six hundred grand back. But <laughs> what I'm saying is I delve into the mess and say, what have I actually learned? Mm-hmm. Yeah, quality. That's helpful. I guess as as a young person myself, twenty six years old and probably lot, lots of the listeners here, sort of age twenty to thirty. I wonder if you were to go back to when you were maybe 20 or 25 mm-hmm. years old, yeah. what would you now say to your, say, 20-year-old self? A couple of maybe key points. A couple, or, of, a couple of key points. One, I think we just touched on it before we started, um, is, is that when you're in your 20s, don't sweat it too much. Yeah. You're, you're 26, you were telling me. And uh, I know when you're 26. You started panicking. Yeah, 27. My yeah. age was 27. 27, I started to panic. I haven't actually achieved anything. Or, well, all right, I had qualified as a solicitor at that stage, etc. Yeah. You know, but my ambition was much greater than that. Mm-hmm. And I was, how am I going to? So at 20, what I did at 27, I wouldn't sweat it too much. That's the first thing I would say. I wouldn't yeah. sweat it too much. Um, I would say to somebody in their 20s, I would say, try plenty of stuff. Yeah. Try lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember before my international phone card business, I had done um, a thing called Euphony, which was another telecoms thing, and that that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I'd had a couple of other wee ventures that I'd done that really didn't come to much. Yeah, um, I was trying to, you know, wee side hustles that didn't come to much. So yeah. those wee keep 
plugging away at those wee things. Mm -hmm. You don't know which one is going to come to something. Yeah. Um, and you don't know what you'll learn from each. And even if you think something might be, um, uh, uh, might be the one, yeah. it might put you in contact with somebody who might lead you to the right one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So action is the key. Yeah. The key is to take, to take action. Yeah. And then the third thing would be, um, I made my decision at 27, uh, uh, 27 years of age, which was 21 years ago to purposely, um, push myself outside the comfort zone yeah. and to try and achieve for the rest of my life. Cause I felt I had, I didn't do too much drinking and partying up until then. Yeah. I made a decision at 27 and, um, your, your opportunity at 27 or 26 or 20 before you have family and kids. Mm -hmm. That's a brilliant time to yeah. be. You got time, you got money, you got brilliant freedom. time before the other stuff that can slow you down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so don't sweat it too much, but when you made the decision, yeah, get on with it. Yeah. Because that's your, your prime time actually to make a difference before mm -hmm. the other stuff slows you down. Yeah. When you're maybe buying a house or you're maybe getting married or you're maybe trying to have children, yeah. you will just have less time. That's yeah, just a fact. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to touch on one of those points you made there about buying a house. So I guess at this sort of age, 20 to 30, mm -hmm. I think lots of people my age are looking to buy a house. Yeah. And I wonder in your mind, is that a good sort of investment in terms of putting down that big chunky 20 or 30 yeah. K or percent of the yeah, house? Yeah. Um, would you advise someone to actually, you know, just continue to run for the next couple of years and maybe invest that into a business or side hustle? Yeah. So, well, I, I did a post about this recently. Um, it's right on the, right on the money for you. So yeah. at 27, when I had made a decision, I'm going to change my life and I'm actually going to achieve the things I want to achieve. Yeah. And started working a hundred hours a week, um, towards that. So I'd left 40 hours a week as a solicitor in the civil service and then started doing my other businesses on top. Yeah. But what I did was I moved home. Right. I took that 250 yeah. 300 I moved so we were all renting I was driving a really nice car at the time an Audi Cabriolet which I absolutely loved <laughs> yeah. friends all that nice golf GTIs we were all doing either state agents or slizzers or what we were all doing okay yeah. and for ourselves and at 27 once it got sort of like my shit I said do you know if I if I keep doing that, what do I have to invest in something? Mm -hmm. I was reading all these franchise magazines I was talking about earlier on 20 grand or a hundred grand or 40 grand yeah, to get into these businesses. Yeah. yeah. How am I going to get into that if mm -hmm. I don't have any money? Yeah. And that started to really, I started to really think deeply about that. And I started yeah. to think now I'm putting a few hundred pounds a month into rent mm -hmm. and I'm paying extra in food. Whereas if my parents are happy enough to take me home uh, uh, and I said, I was going to do that to my friends and they did not believe me. Yeah. They just said, there's no chance. An opportunity came for me to take over or look after an office in Oma. To drive to home every day, mm -hmm. uh, but if I put that on my Audi Cabriolet, the mileage would have cost me. So I got rid of the Audi Cabriolet. Yeah. I bought a seven hundred pound um, ex police car that had dodgy ABS brakes, <laughs> and um, I I called her the executive saloon just to give it a wee. So it became something. Yeah. So yeah. it became a purpose. It. Yeah. Do you know I branded it, and everybody knew it was the executive saloon. They were still driving their Golf GTIs, uh, and they said, "Funny." Um, the guy messaged me. There was one particular guy, very good friend of mine, the state agent in Belfast. He says, "Gavin, you will never stick at this. Yeah. Your ego will not enable you to drive a seven hundred pound yeah. beat up ex police car. You'll not stick it." But I had made my plan. I had a decision about what I was going to do. I was earning seventy pounds. So this is twenty years ago. Seventy pounds a day, extra into my hand, 
Yeah, on uh, petrol or on expenses. Petrol and expenses. Yeah. I brought my lunch with me every day. I was there for more than eight hours every day. So I was getting £9.70 or something like that for my subsistence allowance. Mm-hmm. So £70 a day, I was getting clear. Not a bad side. Not a bad. So that's 350 quid. He messaged me back there the other night. He says, you were making more on your travel money than I was making in, in the salary. No way. And yet we were both had good cars and stuff, you know, £300 or £250 a month on a, on a nice car. Yeah. So he, he messaged me back um, the other night saying that was more than I was earning. So I was rolling that. I was moved home. So my expenses went to absolutely nothing. Yeah. I was getting the sex of 350 on top of my own money. I started saving that. I then started doing some share trading, trading shares on a wee a thing called the HP Jornada. Uh, they don't have the apps or the platforms. Yeah, they didn't have yeah. I had to plug that hardware that into the, the office, Slither's office when I got down there. Yeah. And it was a thing about this size. So a HP Jornada, I started trading shares on that. Um, I then developed the, um, property business. So I saved up money for my first house yeah. deposit. And that was to rent to tenants then? To rent to tenants. Yeah. So I did that. And then I did the international phone card franchise. There was five thousand pounds that cost to start that franchise. Yeah. So I used that seventy pounds. So first of all, it was an idea. Mm-hmm. It was an idea that I wanted more in my cr- life. Crunching the numbers, there the actually there's a, a better investment here. Better, to, yeah. You know, long term. Long term. So back to the house thing. Yeah, you need to get on the property ladder. You need to get on the property ladder. You need to get on. Yeah, there goes your life savings, or there goes your parents' life savings. Yeah. Um. You know, as sorry that's what people say you need to get on the property ladder yeah, I'm yeah, not saying no, sorry I'm saying what other people say you have to get on the property ladder there are good arguments on both sides yeah. but if you have if you're really passionate and you think you can work hard and you can come up with an idea so potentially better to invest that potentially other case. ways I turned that 70 pounds that one idea and turned that 70 pounds into six figures in two years mm-hmm. yeah well yeah so that became six figures in two years. What then happened was I wasn't enjoying the working as a solicitor in the civil service. Just the mindset wasn't right for where I was and how positive I was with my life. I sold the first house I bought. Um, there was 17,000 profit on that first house. Yes. And I had done it up and stuff. And there was 17 clear profit. And um, it cost me about 20 grand to give up my job as a solicitor. Yeah. And to go back then to Queens and switch over, do the courses I needed to do, switch over to become a barrister. Yeah. I probably should have gone to business at that stage, but all the family connections to law and stuff. But that decision made all of those things possible. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. I love how you talk about obviously sacrificing money and time and obviously maybe good times with friends if you're running out with them there. I remember here in one of your other sort of interviews you had done, I think it was with Matthew Thompson, mm-hmm. about how you had shaved your head. Yes. Do you want to maybe just touch on that briefly and tell us? Right. So I'll t- say very briefly, because there's a lot of stuff to cover here. So ultimately, I did all my, my law and my property and, and, and stuff like that. And um, by my mid-30s, I was really successful barrister. I was m- making lots and lots of money as a barrister. I built up to about 50 properties at that stage. Well, and uh, I had lots of equity, etc., etc. So, uh, being a very wealthy person, and I made a mistake. So, the, on the property side, so just in case some of your listeners are in the property, so this is exactly what happened to me. Um, I was getting outbid on properties by people who had never been in property. Yeah. They were buying properties. This is in 2005, 2004, 5, 6, 7. Yeah. So, I was getting outbid by them, and they were buying properties at yields of 
two and three percent, yeah. which just didn't work. And didn't make sense to me. Uh, but my mistake at that time in two thousand six was I said to myself, rather than pay the money, I didn't want to stop doing the property thing mm -hmm. because it was my connection with business. Yeah, and even though it was in law, I didn't want to give up. That would too much because the business was really made me tick. Mm -hmm. I decided that um, I would get earlier in the chain, so I'd start buying the land. Mm, okay. So in 2006, I bought four bits of land for multi-million pounds of, of money. Mm -hmm. And within 18 months, that land was virtually worthless. And I had signed personal guarantees on all of it, stupidly. And also, um, they were demand loans. So the banks could demand um, the money to be repaid within 14 days notice. Well, yeah. So that decision, really tight period of time, 2006, mm -hmm. um, totally changed the rest of my life. Yeah. And that led to me losing absolutely everything. So all of those properties, my own home, we lost my own home. I ended up living with my wife and three kids in my sister-in-law's back bedroom for five years. Well, wow. So I went from being one of the most successful barristers in Northern Ireland and uh, with the most property of any barrister, certainly really successful person in my mid-30s to actually living in my sister-in-law's back bedroom yeah. with my wife and three kids. So that was tough. And sure. to be fair, my wife, um, was absolutely amazing and never said one word to me. Maybe she should have. <laughs> Maybe she needs to keep my I feet on the ground. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So I, I had to make a plan. So the money and stuff didn't matter to her and didn't even really matter to me in a way. Yeah. But it was more evidence of your hard work and success. So back to the shave my head piece. So what happened was I had to make a plan mm -hmm. once I processed the, 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 the extreme pain of that all happening. Mm -hmm. I had to make a plan and in everything, doesn't matter what it is. If if your listeners are, are thinking about how do they have success, it's all about setting down, setting out your goals and creating a plan yeah. to achieve your goals. So my plan was to rehabilitate us financially. Yeah, and part of that was to be really particular about my time, mm -hmm. to be really particular about my spend, to be really particular about every single thing I did. My daily routine. My daily yeah. routine. So I made a seven-year plan, and part of that plan was to shave my head. Um, every six weeks, I used to shave whenever every head. Whenever yeah. I Whenever needed a haircut. So I saved on hair, going to the hairdressers. I saved on time going to the hairdressers. I, I did things like I would never travel um, during rush hour. So I either go in really early to work or go in after the rush hour because mm -hmm. that's half an hour work time. Yeah. Um, the, the, I had no passport during that period of time, that seven years, I had no passport. So I didn't leave this island effectively. You didn't want to get the passport photo with the head shift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like something out of a convict or something like that. But, yeah. um, so there was a plan put together during that time where I basically worked 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, 32 days off in a seven year period, total of 32 days. Wow. I worked every, no Christmas dinner for seven years. Well, wow. full commitment. Full commitment, but seven years. Um, and then I explained to my wife, set out the plan. This is what happens after that. If I commit, commit to this. Yeah. Now we could have moved out of, and this is really, this is a really important thing. We could have moved out of the sister in law's back bedroom yeah. earlier than five years. Yeah. We could have gone and rented a place. Mm -hmm. But Every single penny of that. Now I'm very blessed. I live in a, a lovely home. Now again, every single penny of that would have been money off our ultimate big goal of getting back to where we wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Because you would have been renting, which is been renting money, right? yeah. maybe thousand pounds for a family, you know, in a house or six hundred anyway a month. Yeah. You know, that's out of earned income. Yeah. 
you know. So every single penny of that is factored yeah. to what your overall goal is. Mm-hmm. And people should think about that. Yeah, yeah. Bit. That's brilliant. Good insights. That's your lot for today, folks. Here's a quick uh, review uh, which I received from Pi Positivity um, about the podcast. I said I would give a, a shout out to some of these uh, reviews. Uh, uh, Pi says, You're absolutely brilliant. Really enjoy your podcast and all the other social media channel work that you do. Everyone should have their daily dose of Gavin Wall. Thanks very much for that, Pi Positivity. It's absolutely fantastic to hear from you. And I hope everybody else has done their reviews and their subscriptions too. Now, in two days' time, a dozen mentees will be mainlining the secret sauce at the Speed Mentor Retreat on the 18th and 19th of May at Le Mans Hotel. If you want to know more about the event, just hit me up, but be quick, there's only 48 hours to go. Now, don't forget to subscribe and review this uh, to this free resource. And if it's made a difference to your life, I'd be uh, really grateful if you'd give me that subscription and review. It's time to get out of your own way and take your own success seriously. Whether you want to be, I am a walrus. I am a walrus. It's your choice, folks.